Section seven of The Life of Mozart, Volume One by Otto Jahn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Abai in May two thousand fourteen. The Life of Mozart by Otto Jahn, Section seven, Chapter two, Part one early journeys it was in january of the year seventeen sixty two that leopold mozart first turned to account the precocious talent of his children in an expedition to munich their visit extended over three weeks and both wolfgang and his sister were summoned to play before the elector and were well received everywhere their success encouraged their father to a bolder attempt, and on September 19 of the same year they set out for Vienna. Their journey was made by easy stages. At Passau they remained for five days at the request of the bishop, who wished to hear the boy prodigy, and having done so, rewarded him with one ducat. Thence they proceeded to Linz. Canon Count Herberstein travelled with them, and Wolfgang's distress at seeing an old beggar-man fall into the water impressed him so much that, as Bishop of Passau in 1785, he reminded Leopold Mozart of it. At Linz they gave a concert under the patronage of Count Schlick, Governor-General of the province. Count Palfi, a young nobleman who was paying his respects to the Countess Schlick on his way through Linz, heard from her such a glowing account of the boy prodigy that he left his travelling carriage at the door of her residence and went with her to the concert. His amazement was unbounded. From Linz they continued their journey by water. At the monastery of Ibs, while their travelling companions, two minorite monks and a Benedictine, were saying mass, Wolfgang mounted to the organ loft and played so admirably that the Franciscan friars and the guests they were entertaining rose from table and came open-mouthed with astonishment to listen to him. On their arrival at Vienna, Wolfgang saved his father the payment of customs duties. He made friends with the custom-house officer, showed him his harpsichord, played him a minuet on his little fiddle, and that passed us through. Throughout the journey Wolfgang showed himself lively and intelligent, readily making friends, especially with officials. His engaging manners attracted as much love as his playing excited admiration. The fame of the two children had preceded them to Vienna. Count Schlick, Count Herberstein, and Count Palfi had raised expectation to the highest pitch, and the children were assured of a good reception at court and among the nobility, who vied with each other in their devotion to everything connected with art. The imperial family took more than a passive interest in musical affairs. Charles VI was an accomplished musician and used to accompany operatic or other performances at court upon the clavier, playing from the figured bass according to the custom of conductors at the time. He caused his daughters to study music, and the future Empress Maria Theresa displayed at an early age both taste and talent. In 1725, when only seven years old, she sang in an opera by Fuchs at a fete given in honour of her mother, the Empress Elizabeth. 
it was in allusion to this that she once joking told faustina hasse that she believed herself to be the first of living virtuos in seventeen thirty nine she sang a duet with senesino so beautifully that the celebrated old singer was melted to tears her husband francis i was also musical and gave his children a musical education the archduchesses appeared frequently in operatic performances at court acquitting themselves very well for princesses the emperor joseph sang well and played the harpsichord and the violoncello anecdotes of mozart's genius had excited much interest at court and on september thirteenth before he had even solicited the honour leopold mozart received a command to bring his children to schönbrunn a quiet day was chosen that the children might be heard without fear of interruption their playing surpassed all expectation and they were afterwards repeatedly summoned to court the emperor took special delight in the little magician and enjoyed inviting new trials of skill for him he jestingly told him that playing with all his fingers was nothing playing with one finger would be true art whereupon wolfgang began to play charmingly with only one finger another time he told him that it would be true art to play with the keyboard covered and wolfgang covered the keys with a cloth and played with as much decision and vivacity as if he could see them this tour de force was often repeated on subsequent occasions and always received with great applause but music was generally speaking a serious matter to wolfgang and even at court he refused to play except before connoisseurs once seeing himself surrounded by a fashionable assemblage he said before he began is herr wagenseil here let him come he knows something about it georg christoph wagenseil born in vienna sixteen eighty eight died seventeen seventy nine was a pupil of fuchs and one of the first clavier players and composers of his time he taught the empress and afterwards her children the emperor moved aside to let him come near mozart who exclaimed i am going to play one of your concertos you must turn over for me at court as elsewhere mozart was a bright happy child he would spring on the empress's lap throw his arms round her neck and kiss her and play with the princesses on a footing of perfect equality he was especially devoted to the archduchess marie antoinette once when he fell on the polished floor she lifted him from the ground and consoled him while one of her sisters stood by you are good said wolfgang i will marry you the empress asked him why from gratitude answered he she was good to me but her sister stood by and did nothing the emperor joseph reminded him in after years of his playing duets with wagenseil and of mozart standing in the antechamber among the audience calling pfui or bravo or that was wrong as the case may be the favour of the court was further displayed in substantial honours and rewards in addition to a gift of money marianne was presented with a white silk court dress belonging to one of the archduchesses and wolfgang with a violet-coloured suit trimmed with broad gold braid that had been made for the archduke maximilian his father had his portrait painted in this magnificent attire 
as might have been expected the children became the rage in society all the ladies fell in love with the lad the music-loving prince von hildburghausen vice-chancellor count coloredo bishop esterhazy all invited the mozarts and before long they were indispensable at every fashionable assembly they were generally carried to and fro in the carriage of their entertainers and received many handsome presents of money and trinkets the prosperous course was however suddenly interrupted by an attack of scarlet fever which kept wolfgang in bed for a fortnight the dangerous part of his illness was soon over and the greatest sympathy was everywhere expressed for him but the fear of infection was then very great and the interest taken in his convalescence was accompanied by considerable reluctance to his society an invitation from the hungarian magnates induced leopold mozart although he had already exceeded his leave of absence to undertake an expedition to pressburg on december eleventh the weather was very unfavorable and made the return journey through roadless hungary not a little dangerous their stay in vienna was not much further prolonged and early in january seventeen sixty three they found themselves once more in salzburg having once tested the powers and popularity of his children leopold mozart could not settle contentedly in salzburg again and he soon determined on the bold adventure of making their talents known beyond germany paris was his ultimate goal but he intended to exhibit the children at any of the german courts which did not lie too far out of their way the class from which at the present day the musical public properly so called is drawn was then altogether uncultivated and even where there were no courts as in the imperial towns the nobles and rich merchants kept up similar distinctions of rank leopold mozart lays complacent stress upon the fact that throughout their tour their intercourse was confined to the nobility and distinguished persons and that both for their health's sake and the reputation of their court they were obliged to travel noblement being summer therefore the travellers avoided the capitals and visited the country seats to which at this season the courts were wont to repair the journey began on june ninth and not prosperously for in wasserbrunn the carriage broke down necessitating the delay of a whole day the last new thing is writes the father that in order to pass the time we went to look at the organ and i explained the pedal to wolfgang he set to work to try it on the spot pushed aside the stool and preluded away standing using the pedal as if he had practised it for months we were all lost in astonishment what has caused others months of practice comes to him as a gift of god wolfgang performed on the organ constantly throughout the journey and was his father says even more admired as an organist than as a clavier player arrived at munich on june twelfth seventeen sixty three they proceeded at once to nymphenburg the summer residence of the elector here the introduction of the prince von zweibrücken gained them a favourable reception and they played repeatedly before the elector and duke clement it is specially mentioned that wolfgang executed a concerto on the violin with cadenzas out of his own head here they fell in with two travellers from saxony 
the barons hopfgarten and bose with whom they formed a cordial friendship cemented during their stay in paris at augsburg they took up their abode for a fortnight with the mozart family and gave three concerts at which the audience was almost exclusively lutherans the salzburg europäische zeitung july nineteenth seventeen sixty three reports from augsburg july nine the day before yesterday herr leopold mozart vice-kapellmeister at salzburg left his place for stuttgart with his two precocious children the inhabitants of his native town have fully appreciated the privilege accorded them in witnessing the manifestation of the marvellous gifts bestowed by providence on these charming children they recognize also how great must have been the paternal care the result of which has been the production of a girl of eleven and what is still more incredible a boy of seven years old as ornaments to the musical world the opinion pronounced on these prodigies by a correspondent from vienna which will be found on another page enthusiastic as it appears will be confirmed by all musical connoisseurs at ludwigsburg the summer residence of the württemberg court they did not succeed in obtaining audience of the duke although they had brought introductions from canon count wolfeck both to the master of the hunt baron von pöllnitz and to jomelli leopold mozart was inclined to ascribe this to the influence of jomelli who figured as kapellmeister from seventeen fifty four to seventeen sixty eight with a salary of four thousand gulden more correctly three thousand gulden the keep of four horses fuel and lights a house in stuttgart and another at ludwigsburg and two thousand gulden pension for his widow leopold mozart announces all this to hagenauer with the question what do you think of that for a kapellmeister's pay he maintained that all native artists had to suffer from jomelli's influence who spared no trouble to drive germans from the court and to admit none but italians this was the more possible as he was in high favour with the duke he and his countrymen of whom his house was always full were reported to have said that it was incredible that a child of german birth could have such musical genius and so much spirit and fire ridete amici he adds granted however that musical taste in ludwigsburg had been thoroughly italianized by jomelli's influence and position there is no doubt that this account of him is prejudiced and exaggerated metastasio pictures him as courteous and affable and in stuttgart he had the reputation of giving all due credit to german artists so that leopold mozart's accusation is probably without much foundation he himself acknowledges that jomelli's unlimited power had been principally the cause of the excellence of musical performances in ludwigsburg though here again schubart complains that the orchestra was spoilt by the numerous amateur members who could not agree and who were fond of introducing ornamentations in their separate parts quite out of character with the whole of the really superior amateurs who were then at ludwigsburg leopold mozart mentions only tartini's pupil p nardini died seventeen ninety three who was unsurpassed in taste purity and delicacy of tone but not by any means a powerful player 
from ludwigsburg they proceeded to schwetzingen and presenting recommendations from the prince von zweibrücken and prince clement of bavaria were well received by the elector palatine karl theodor on july eighteen the court assembled to hear them from five to nine o'clock the children set all Schwetzingen in commotion, and the electoral household were enchanted with them. Leopold Mozart praises the admirable flute-playing of Wendling, and speaks of the orchestra as the best in Germany, being entirely composed of young men of good birth, who were neither tipplers nor gamblers nor miserable ragamuffins, a hit at Salzburg, and who were as estimable in their private as in their professional capacity. He goes on to inform pious Frau Hagenauer that since they left Wasserburg they had found no holy water and rarely a crucifix in their bedrooms, and that they found it difficult to procure fast-day meals. Everybody eats meat, and perhaps so have we without knowing it. After all, it is no fault of ours. Making an excursion to Heidelberg, Wolfgang played the organ in the Church of the Holy Spirit, and so astonished his audience that the dean ordered his name and the particulars of his visit to be inscribed as a memorial of it on the organ. Unfortunately, no trace of the inscription remains. At Mayence, owing to the illness of the elector Josef Emmerich von Breitbach, they could not appear at court, but made two hundred gulden at three concerts. Here they met the singer Marianne de Amicis, who was returning with her family from London. At Frankfurt, which they went out of their way to visit, Mozart's first concert on August 18 was so successful that they decided on giving three more. The newspaper announcement of August 30, 1763, shows what an astonishing performance was offered to the public. It runs as follows. The universal admiration excited in the minds of the audience by the astounding genius of the two children of Herr Leopold Mozart, Kapellmeister at the court of Salzburg, has necessitated the threefold repetition of the concert which was announced to take place on one occasion only. In consequence, therefore, of this universal admiration, and in deference to the desire of many distinguished connoisseurs, the next and positively the last concert will take place this evening, Thursday, August 30, in the Scharfischen Saal on the Liebfrauenberge. The little girl who is in her twelfth year will play the most difficult compositions of the greatest masters. The boy, who is not yet seven, will perform on the clavecin or harpsichord, he will also play a concerto for the violin and will accompany symphonies on the clavier, the manual or keyboard being covered with a cloth, with as much facility as if he could see the keys. He will instantly name all notes played at a distance, whether singly or in chords on the clavier, or on any other instrument, bell, glass or clock. He will finally, both on the harpsichord and the organ, improvise as long as may be desired, and in any key, thus proving that he is as thoroughly acquainted with the one instrument as with the other, great as is the difference between them. Here, too, Goethe heard him. I saw him as a boy seven years old, he told Eckermann, when he gave a concert on one of his tours. I myself was fourteen, and I remember the little fellow distinctly with his powdered wig and his sword. 
at koblenz mozart was presented to the elector of treves johann philipp von walderdorf by baron walderdorf and the imperial ambassador count bergen and appeared at court on september eighteen he was also frequently invited by the privy councillor and imperial knight von kerpen whose seven sons and two daughters all either sang or played some instrument at bonn the elector of cologne maximilian friedrich count of Königsegg rothenfels being absent they only remained long enough to see and admire the splendours of the residential palace the magnificent beds the baths the picture galleries concert halls decorations inlaid tables chairs etc also the numerous curiosities at poppelsdorf and falkenlust at cologne on the other hand they only note the dingy cathedral at a the princess amalie sister to frederick the great and a zealous lover and patroness of music was taking the waters she endeavoured to persuade leopold mozart to take his children to berlin but he would not alter his plans she has no money writes the practical man if the kisses she bestows on my children particularly on master wolfgang were each a louis d'or we should be well off as it is neither our hotel bill nor our post-horses can be paid with kisses at brussels where prince charles de lorraine brother of the emperor francis i resided as governor and captain-general of the austrian netherlands they were delayed some time but succeeded in giving a grand concert thence they proceeded direct to paris where they arrived on november eighteen and were kindly received and hospitably entertained by the bavarian ambassador count von eyck his wife was a daughter of the high chamberlain at salzburg count arco mozart was furnished with introductions to the most distinguished persons then in paris but all these were worth nothing leopold mozart writes in comparison with one letter given to him by a merchant's wife at frankfurt and addressed to grimm friedrich melchior grimm the pupil and disciple of gottsched had lived in paris since seventeen forty nine as secretary to count friesen and afterwards to the duke of orleans he had admission to the highest circles of society his amiable disposition and the important share he took in the literary struggles of the encyclopedists gained him a still more exalted position as a sort of literary and artistic arbiter his judgment on musical matters was eagerly sought after and as it came within his special province to bring to light anything out of the common way he was of all others most fitted to appreciate wolfgang's performances he had genuine sympathy with his countrymen too and could understand such a nature as leopold mozart's he had not yet been created baron and ambassador was still active and energetic and exerted all his personal and literary influence for the mozart family leopold ascribes all their subsequent success to this powerful friend he has done everything opened the court to us managed the first concert and is going to manage the second what cannot a man do with sense and a kind heart he has been fifteen years in paris and knows how to make things fall out as he wishes their first object was the introduction at court the most important personage at that time at versailles was of course madame de pompadour she must have been very beautiful 
writes Leopold Mozart to Madame Hagenauer, for she is still comely. She is tall and stately, stout but well proportioned, with some likeness to her imperial majesty about the eyes. She is proud and has a remarkable mind. Mozart's sister remembered in after days how she placed little Wolfgang on the table before her, but pushed him aside when he bent forward to kiss her, on which he indignantly asked, Who is this that does not want to kiss me? The Empress kissed me. The king's daughters were much more friendly, and, contrary to all etiquette, kissed and played with the children, both in their own apartments and in the public corridors. On New Year's Day the Mozart family were conducted by the Swiss guard to the supper-room of the royal family. Wolfgang stood near the queen, who fed him with sweetmeats, and talked to him in German, which she was obliged to interpret to Louis the Fifteenth. The father stood near Wolfgang, and the mother and daughter on the other side of the king, near the Dauphin and Madame Adelaide. Once having played at Versailles, they were sure of access to the most distinguished society. A small oil painting, now in the museum at Versailles, shows little Wolfgang at the clavier in the Salon of Prince Conti, the centre of an assemblage of great people. Finally, having established their position in private society, they gave two great concerts, on March 10 and April 9, 1764, in the rooms of a certain fashionable Monsieur Félix, who had built a little theatre for private representations. The permission to give these concerts was a favour obtained with difficulty, as they infringed the privileges both of the concert spirituel and of the French and Italian theatres. The result was in every respect a brilliant success. Marianne Mozart played the most difficult compositions of the musicians then living in Paris, especially of Schobert and Eckhart, with a precision and correctness that could not have been surpassed by the masters themselves. Schobert was a native of Strasbourg, symbolist to the Prince de Conti. As a composer he was famous for his grace and fire, especially in Allegros, but as a man he was not all he should have been, according to Leopold Mozart. He was a false flatterer, his religion was a la mode, and his envy was often so ill-concealed as to excite ridicule. Eckhart, on the contrary, was a worthy man, and quite free from jealousy. He had come from Augsburg to Paris in 1758, and was highly esteemed as a clavier player and teacher. Wolfgang's performances on the clavier, organ, and violin, extraordinary as they were, were thrown into the shade by the proofs he gave of almost incredible musical genius. He not only accompanied at sight Italian and French airs, but he transposed them prima vista. At that time, accompanying meant more than the playing of prepared passages for the piano or clavier. It involved the choice at the moment of a fitting accompaniment for the several parts of the score, or the supplying of the harmonies to the bass. On the other hand, the simplicity of the harmony and the adherence to certain fixed forms gave to such exercises facilities not afforded by the license and want of form of modern music. Grimm relates in his correspondence a truly astonishing instance of the boy's genius. 
wolfgang accompanied a lady in an italian air without seeing the music supplying the harmony for the passage which was to follow from that which he had just heard this could not be done without some mistakes but when the song was ended he begged the lady to sing it again played the accompaniment and the melody itself with perfect correctness and repeated it ten times altering the character of the accompaniment for each on a melody being dictated to him he supplied the bass and the parts without using the clavier at all he showed himself in all ways so accomplished that his father was convinced he would obtain service at court on his return home leopold mozart now thought the time was come for introducing the boy as a composer and he printed four sonatas for the piano and violin rejoicing at the idea of the noise which they would make in the world appearing with the announcement on the title-page that they were the work of a child of seven years old he thought well of these sonatas independently of their childish authorship one andante especially shows remarkable taste when it happened that in the last trio of opus two a mistake of the young master which his father had corrected consisting of three consecutive fifths for the violin was printed he consoled himself by reflecting that they can serve as a proof that wolfgangel wrote the sonatas himself which naturally not every one would believe the little composer dedicated his first printed sonatas six and seven köchel to the good-natured princess victoire both she and her sisters being very fond of music the next eight and nine köchel were dedicated to the amiable and witty Comtesse de Tessé, lady-in-waiting to the Dauphiness. Grimm had written a dedication in Mozart's name, in which both he and the Dauphiness were well touched off. To Leopold Mozart's vexation she declined it as too eulogistic, and a simpler one had to be substituted. The prodigies were overwhelmed with distinctions, complimentary verses, and gifts. Monsieur de Carmontel, an admirable amateur portrait painter, made a charming picture of the family group. It was engraved by de la Fosse at Grimm's instigation. The unprecedented success of the two children was the more significant since musical culture was not nearly so predominant in Paris as in most of the German courts. It is a pity, says Grimm, that people in this country understand so little of music leopold mozart notes the standing war between french and italian music and the position which grimm took up on the side of the italians served to confirm him in his preconceived opinions according to him none of the french music was worth a groat in church music all the solos and everything approaching to an air were empty cold and wretched in fact french but he did justice to the choruses and lost no opportunity of letting his son hear them in instrumental music the german composers among them schobert eckhardt and hanauer were beginning to make their influence felt so much so that le grand abandoned the french style and composed sonatas after german models the revolution to be wrought by gluck was as yet indeed not to be foreseen but Leopold Mozart hoped that in ten or fifteen years the French style would be extinguished. End of section seven.